Good morning, City Light Church. My name is Phil. I'm one of the pastors here on staff. My wife uh, and I and our four daughters uh, just moved up here from New Mexico about a month ago because of the amazing things God is doing here in this church and in this city. And we couldn't be more excited. We couldn't be more thrilled to be here. But if I'm honest with you guys, this journey and this transition has been crazy. It's been a whirlwind. My wife and I have been uh, missionaries, uh, full-time missionaries to college students. And this summer, we led a mission trip to West Africa and Ivory Coast for, for six weeks. We came back. Uh, we sold our house in New Mexico. We bought a house here without even ever stepping foot in it. We just did it over FaceTime and made an offer. <laughs> it was crazy. And then we rented two U-Hauls and drove 1,000 miles across the country to be here and jump in here at this church. And as you can imagine, we, we showed up tired. You know, we've, we were literally living out of our suitcases for the last three months. Three months. But I just want to pause. I just want to pause for a moment to say thank you to so many of you. The moment we got here, people were helping us uh, unload our U-Haul, helping us renovate our house, bringing us meals, helping put us put furniture together. And so we've just felt so welcomed into this church family and it's been awesome. And it's been awesome to see just what God is doing in this church. Real people are meeting Jesus. Lives are being changed. Churches are being planted. And it's amazing. I've known Chris for a long time. And I've followed the story of City Light for the last few years. And so I've been an outsider seeing just what God is doing and how churches are being planted. And it really is incredible. And so it's an incredible privilege for me to now be a part of this church. But let's jump in this morning. Today we are finishing the core value series. And these are the values that really define who we are and why we exist. And if you haven't been here the last three, three weeks or you're just starting here, I'm going to do a brief recap of these values. So that our core values as a church are down, up, in, and out. And there's a diagram uh, slide here that has the corresponding arrows for each one. But we have a vertical relationship with God. God has come down to us. So down is the gospel. It's the good news that God sent his son Jesus to do what we cannot do for ourselves. It's the good news about his life, his death, and his resurrection, that he's rescued us from sin, and he's brought us into new life. He's given us his love, forgiveness, and eternal life. And that's amazing. And God came down to us, and then he also draws us up. So up is spiritual formation. It's sanctification. It's the process of growth where we are being conformed more and more into the image of Jesus Christ. We're confessing sin. We're actually trusting Jesus to change our lives. But it doesn't just stop. It doesn't just stop with down and up. As we respond to the gospel, as we experience this good news, it pushes us in and out toward others. So in his community, God did not design us to live in isolation to be alone, but rather he designed us to be in relationships with other people. So that's why we gather here on Sunday mornings, and that's why we scatter out all over the city to meet in city groups, uh, to eat meals together, to open up the Bible, to confess sin, to share life together, and to live on mission for God. And this morning I'm ending this series talking about out, which is missions, something I love talking about. But before we jump in and talk about missions, we have to take a step back, and we have to understand the missions does not start with us. It starts with God. Listen, God has been on a mission to redeem his creation and his people to himself. A people that will love 
and worship him. And we see this in the Bible from the very beginning all the way to the end. God creates us to have perfect fellowship with him, to be in perfect harmony in the garden with Adam and Eve. And then what happens? Well, they blow it, right? They sin, and sin enters into the world. And in that moment, our relationship with God is fractured, and it's broken. But God has been on mission to draw us back to himself and to a relationship with him. And so from the very beginning of creation into eternity, we can see that God is a God who wants to be in relationship with us because he loves us. And he desires our worship and our love and our affection. Mission is about God's heart for his people to redeem and to restore. And it's ultimately about his glory. God sent his son, Jesus, to, on mission here to this earth. And Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. And now we have a role to play in this mission. So let's open up our Bibles and learn about God's mission and our role in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. It's referred to as the Great Commission. And if you have your Bibles, turn there. Otherwise, the words will be on the screen. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So two points today from this passage. Two things God gives us to live on mission. Number one, he gives us a message. And number two, he gives us a work to do. So number one, he gives us a message. In Matthew chapter 28, it's clear that Jesus gives his disciples a work to do, primarily to go and make disciples. But what precedes them from going to actually do that work is they have firsthand experienced the message that Jesus came to proclaim. And that message Jesus came to proclaim was a message about himself. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the Bible teaches there is no other name by which men can be saved. This is the gospel. This is the message of the gospel that it's faith alone in Jesus Christ that, that gives us eternal life, that gives us a right relationship with him. And our culture tells us something completely different. It says there's so many ways to God, different ways that you can get to God. Just be a good moral person. Be good and God will accept you. Your good will outweigh your bad, right? But that's not the message of the Bible. If that were true, then why would Jesus come and die on a cross for our sins? Listen, the message we receive and then we get to retell others is that God has made a way for the guilty to be restored to him. Because of what Jesus has done, because he took the penalty that we deserved and he gave his life for us. That's amazing. When Jesus began his ministry, he walked into the synagogue, the place of worship at that time, and he opened up the Bible to Isaiah chapter 61. And this is what he, he read. We read it in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he goes on to say, today... This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Listen, what Jesus is saying is this prophecy that was 700 years previous, he's saying this is about me. 
It's about me. Jesus is saying, I am the good news. I am the one that can save. I am the one that can set the captive free. I am the one that can give freedom to those who are enslaved. City Light, our friends and our, co- our coworkers, our neighbors, our family members, they are longing to be freed from insecurities, from failures, from fears, from sin and shame and guilt. And they are captives to a religious system that tells them to try harder, to get better, to do more. But the message of Jesus is not one of condemnation and judgment. It's good news. It's good news that he came to set us free and give us new life. And I've discovered that it's very possible uh, to grow up a nice moral church kid and completely miss this message. That was my story. And I'm so thankful for someone who took the time and had the courage to tell me about this good news of Jesus Christ. And I know my life would look very different if someone hadn't taken that time to do that. Growing up in the church most of my life, I just felt this massive weight of, of sin and guilt and shame, thinking that I had to, to earn God's approval, that my life had to be perfect before God would accept me. And on the outside, I, I looked like a good kid. You know, I went to church three times a week. I was part of the youth group. I read my Bible. But on the inside, guys, I was struggling. I was really struggling because I kept falling into the same pattern of sin. And I just kept beating myself up. And when I realize now, looking back on my life, what was, what was going on is I was a slave to sin. Sin had control of my life. And I didn't really understand uh, salvation. I didn't understand God's grace. I had doubts. I had questions. I didn't understand that salvation was a free gift. It wasn't by anything that I could earn. I really thought that, that I had to live a perfect life. But it was because God used some other people in my life to share this good news with me that my life was completely changed. As a freshman in college, I was isolated, and I was alone. I honestly didn't have any friends. And then one day, just through a simple invitation from somebody that I had never met, just a random invitation, I decided to walk into this weekly worship service that was on a college campus, and that night I got invited to a Bible study. And I honestly don't know where I'd be if those guys hadn't taken a step of faith and just extended an invitation. I'm a product of that. I'm a product of a simple step of faith to invite me uh, to come along with them. They took me along. They asked me questions. They shared this good news with me. And for the first time, I was involved with other guys that actually cared about me, that studied the Bible, that confessed sin. I was experiencing real community for the very first time. And at the same time, I was reading through the book of Galatians and seeing the difference of what it was like to live under the law and what it was like to live under grace. Galatians 5.1, it says, For freedom, Christ has set you free. Therefore, do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. I was freed, and it was amazing. My freshman year of college, a huge weight was lifted off my shoulders, and I was no longer spiritually blind to the truth of the gospel. God had opened up my eyes, and it set me on a trajectory to live my life for him and his purposes. And I thought, wow, this is incredible. This is amazing. How can I not share this good news with other people around me? My identity was no longer wrapped up in my good works and my performance and in myself, but my identity was found in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And it was so freeing, so freeing. 
And I began to see with new eyes the people around me, that these people around me actually needed the same message. They needed to experience freedom. They needed to hear about Jesus. But what about you? Where are you at this morning? How is this message changing your life? How is it bringing peace to your heart? How is it freeing you from the grips of guilt and shame? How is it healing your brokenness? How is the good news bringing rest to your weariness? How is the good news changing you? Listen, when we understand just how much we have received in the gospel, we naturally want to retell that story and to share that message. We naturally want to share what God has done in our lives. I mean, thinking about it like this, if you go out to eat to a great place and it's awesome, well, what do you do? You talk about it, don't you? You, t- you go tell your friends. You say, this place was awesome. The atmosphere was amazing. The service was incredible. The food was so good. I do that every time I go to Texas Roadhouse. I love the steak. I love the bread and I love the cinnamon butter. It's amazing. But listen, the things that, the things that we enjoy the most are the things that we talk about the most. And that's what happens with the gospel. When we understand that message and it changes us, we talk about it. Listen, mission is not a duty or an obligation. It's not a way that we try to impress God. We do it because we want people to know and experience the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. So how do we do this? How do we do this at City Light? How do we share the gospel so that people can experience Jesus? A couple practical things. Number one, we invite people. That was part of my story. Someone just took a simple step of faith and invited me to a meeting, and my life was changed. Listen, we believe the most important thing that we can do from this stage is to preach the gospel. It has the power to build up the mature Christian, and it has the power to convict the non-Christian, to call them to faith in Jesus. And maybe that's where some of you are at today. And you know that's you. And you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ today. Maybe somebody invited you to come here today. Listen, there's power in in a simple invitation to just say, come with me. Come see what God is doing and what he's done. So invite your friends, invite your family to come on Sunday morning so they can hear about the good news of Jesus. Secondly, we go out. We want to send people out all around the world so that those people all around the world can hear this same message. But we also send you out as a congregation, as a church, to go into the places where you live, work, and play so that other people can hear this message through you. And it's not just an invitation to a Sunday morning gathering, but if we are Christians, we are called and sent on mission to share this message. So tell your story. Tell your story. Tell people how God has saved you, how he's rescued you, how he's freed you, and how much he loves you. So that's the first thing that God gives us. He gives us the message. The second thing is he gives us a work to do. Look again at Matthew chapter 28. This isn't just a suggestion for some, but this is a command for all who follow Jesus. Jesus says, go and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. It's not, this is not the great suggestion. It's not a suggestion for some. Listen, this is the great commission. God is commissioning us out to go and do the work that he's called us to do. And as we look at these verses, God really gives us three things to do. The first one is go. God came down from heaven to us, and he moved, and he calls us to go, to move, to push our faith outward. 
And he doesn't say simply just go get on a plane, go to another country and be a missionary. And that's great, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying in the context that word go actually means just go as you are going. Wherever you're going, understand that you're on mission to make much of Jesus. You know, God doesn't just let us think that he came to save us and he gives us a ticket and then we just wait for heaven. No, he calls all of us to be going, to be going out, to be moving towards lost people so that we can share the good news with them. The second thing he says is make disciples and baptize them. He's not just telling us to to go out and make friends with non-Christians. He's not just saying settle for being a good person. A disciple of Jesus is, is someone who actually goes and makes disciples, bringing every area of their life under his leadership and under his authority. And what, what happens when people hear good news? Well, they respond to it. People meet Jesus. And when that happens, we want to give them an opportunity to get baptized and celebrate that with them. The third thing Jesus says is, teach them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And oftentimes as a church, we can baptize new believers, we can take their pictures, and we can celebrate. But what happens with them? What happens next? I mean, they still have junk in their life. They still love Jesus, but they're still wrestling with sin, just like the rest of us. So what do we do? Well, we help them along the way. We teach them to obey everything. Jesus, in every detail of their life, in every area, comes under his rule and reign to be obedient to him. So we're called to go. We're called to make disciples and baptize. And we are called to help teach people that the gospel changes every aspect of our lives. Now let me tell you why this is such a gift. This is a privilege and a joy. This is not a burden. And it's been one of the greatest joys in my life to see people who are far from God respond to the gospel, get baptized, and begin to live for him. It's an incredible thing. I've seen students meet Jesus, meet the same Jesus that I met in college. I see, I've seen their lives be transformed. I've seen them begin to make disciples. And I've been able to go on some incredible, incredible adventures in my life. But there is nothing that compares to the joy of knowing that I get to be a part of something that's so much bigger than myself. I get to be a part of God's mission, and that is a privilege and a joy. And honestly, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm, I came from New Mexico to Nebraska to be part of this church. But some of you might say, well, that's not me. I can't do that. There's no way. But let me tell you the best news that we see in these verses. At the end of verse 20, Jesus gives this promise. He says, behold, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is a promise. What he's saying, I am never going to leave you. I am always going to be with you. I'm sending you out on mission, and I am going with you. You have my Holy Spirit to be with you, to do the things that I've called you to do. So this means it's not up to you to win someone to Christ. It's just a matter of allowing the Holy Spirit into our lives, to surrendering to him, to be obedient to what he's calling us to do. And the Spirit's really a gift. And it's the only way that we can live the Christian life. Think about Peter. He went from a guy who denied Jesus three times because he was afraid of persecution to a guy that was filled with the Spirit and preached the gospel to thousands of people. He went from a coward to a Spirit-filled disciple-maker who no longer lived in fear but boldly proclaimed the name of Jesus and made disciples. Why? Because the Holy Spirit was with him. 
Now let me tell you how we live this out as individuals and not just as, but as a church family. You know, in City Light Kids, it's something that I'm passionate about as your family pastor. We want to talk about Jesus. We want to point kids to a God who can save them. That's one of our biggest mission fields here at this church. And our goal is to not keep kids busy and entertained, but to help them meet Jesus, to grow in their faith, to be more conformed into his image. So it's not just an extra program that we offer so parents aren't distracted during the service. No, this is a real place where kids are maturing and being discipled toward Jesus. Secondly, we baptize a lot of people. We, we believe that the next step for people when they meet Jesus is to get baptized, to, to celebrate that. And so that's why we have uh, baptisms three times a year, providing a place so when people meet Jesus, they can get baptized and make, up, make a public profession of their faith to stand up and say, I'm declaring that I am following Jesus. Thirdly, we want to teach people to obey Jesus. And that's why we teach the Bible on Sunday. That's why we read from the Bible in city groups. That's why we want to apply this to our lives. It's not just a textbook that we study. This is the word of God. It's living and active. It convicts us of our sin, and we want to seek to be obedient to it, to be obedient to Jesus. City groups are more than a midweek ministry, you know, that we offer. They, they are actually the primary way that disciples are made in this church. And I would say the first step for you, if you are not part of one, is to get connected. Get connected. You're going to hear about group launch that starts next week, more in the announcements, but it's a great place to start. Listen, we don't just want people to meet Jesus, but rather train committed and maturing Christians to be disciple makers. We want to train committed and maturing Christians to be disciple makers. City Light, God has given us a message to proclaim, and he's given us a work to do. Let me close by sharing one last story. I want to tell you that all of us are on mission. The question is, what is our real mission in this life? We're living for something, but what are we really giving our lives to? What are we giving our time and our talents and our treasure toward? In this life, it can, it's so easy to exchange the mission of God and his purpose for a self-serving mission and a self-focused purpose. And as I began my career as an engineer in the summer of 2007, right out of college, I, you know, I think I started off with good intentions, but I quickly became consumed. But with making more money, having nicer things, getting a bigger house, driving a nicer car, and I started right out of college making a lot of money, and I was on a path to, to be a manager pretty quickly. And I just got sucked into this lie that this was going to buy me happiness, that it was going to get me in my family's security. And I was pursuing the American dream, trying to climb this corporate ladder. And listen, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that success and making money are bad in and of itself. But at that time in my life, God was kind of what I did on Sundays. And getting more and climbing higher is what I did during the week. And then God started to call me into something new. He was calling me to be a missionary to college students. And at first, I was super reluctant. I was like, no way, God. I am not doing that. I just said, no, forget it. I pushed the idea away, thinking, how could I give up my career? How could I quit my job and sell my house? I mean, I've got this amazing setup. I've got four weeks paid vacation. I work four days a week. This is amazing. I'm not going to leave this. But over a couple months, God really had to stir in my heart and convict me of the sin in my own heart that I was trying to find security and comfort in worldly things. And God was showing me I had to trust in him, that he was my only hope, 
my only security and my only comfort. And there's a proverb that says, don't wear yourself out to get rich because it's just going to sprout wings like an eagle and fly away. And that's exactly what was happening to me. He was telling us to go. And so we finally had to come to a place of complete surrender. And it was hard and it was scary thinking about how am I going to provide for my family? I don't know how this is going to work. We literally were just getting on our knees, praying, crying out to God, and just coming to a place of surrender. And if God wanted to use us to reach college students, we had to be willing to go. We had to come to a place where we were saying, God, I will go wherever you want me to go. I will do whatever you want me to do. I will say whatever you want me to say, and I will give whatever you want me to give. And so long story short, I quit my job. We sold our house in three weeks for full price during the recession, and we've seen God provide for us in incredible ways uh, all along the way throughout the last six years of doing college ministry. And I can tell you guys, the most important part of that story is not that I entered into full-time vocational ministry. The best part of that story is that I've repented. I've repented of the sin that was in my heart, of that self-serving mission that I was on, and I embraced the disciple-making mission that God has for me and my family. Jesus has completely reoriented our lives. And it's been hard, and it's been exhausting, but it's been amazing to see what God has done all along the way. So City Light, I don't, I don't want our church to be about us. You know, Jesus has done some amazing things. Churches have been planted. Disciples are being made. Groups are living in the city on mission. Kids are growing in their faith. But it's not the time to sit back, to pump the brakes and say, you know, good, we've done our part. Let's pat ourselves on the back. You know, let's continue to to preach the gospel. Let's try to love one another. But can we just forget about the mission of God and making disciples and planting more churches? Like that just seems too costly. It's too hard. We send out too many people. This is hard work. Can't we just be okay with where we're at? The answer is no. We can't. Never. Listen, a gospel-centered church is a sent church, a disciple-making church, and a missional church. And so, honestly, that means that we will probably plant another church, that we will probably say goodbye to another pastor that we love, that we would continue to take massive steps of faith and give away more money. Why? Because the mission of God matters. And so we have to remain focused on his mission and not our smaller, comfortable mission. We have to continue to come to a place of surrender, to trust in Jesus, to trust in his Holy Spirit, to go and proclaim a message that he's given us, and to do the work that he's called us to do as a church. Let's pray. Well, Jesus, we just thank you so much that you invite us into your bigger story. We don't deserve it. We haven't earned it. We didn't do it anything to get that, but you have rescued us from death into life, and you've you've invited us to be a part of your mission, and you have this promise that you are with us, and that is amazing news for us, God, because we can't do this on our own. We need you. We need your Holy Spirit in our lives. We need your power working, and I pray that we would be bold to proclaim this message to those around us, that we would make disciples as you called us to make disciples as a church. We love you, God, so much. We just want to continue to praise you this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen.